50 is significant. 50 days until Pentecost came. Every day is Pentecost. If you're a believer, every day is Pentecost, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now we celebrate Pentecost because it's when the Holy Spirit came in his fullness and a great and mighty rushing wind. And he came in, in his fullness and that means that every gift and the ability to perform the work that God's called you to do is here and it's available for you to do it. All this lacking is for you to say, here I am, Lord, send me. When Isaiah received that call, that call was being sent out. God was crying out. Isaiah just hadn't heard it. He had been calling and crying out. And it says that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And, and Isaiah, he deified almost King Uzziah. And so God had to take that man that he was looking to out of the way. And Uzziah finally, beyond the noise, the white noise around him, could hear the voice of the Lord that had been calling all along. And he said, here I am, send me. And God's calling you. God's asking you, will you step up? Will you take the burden? Will you take the responsibility? It has great reward. And the retirement plan is out of this world. It is, every day is Pentecost. Every day. Let's pray. Father, you said, come, those who thirst, come and drink. Come and buy bread without money. You said, Lord, as I knelt this morning at the altar right there, I opened my hands and I had nothing in it to offer you. And you brought that scripture back to me. Come and buy bread with no money. We come this morning, Lord, freely we've been given and freely we give, Lord. Holy Spirit, we need you this morning above all things. You come to lead and guide us into all truth, not just partial truth, all truth. Give us revelation of your word this morning, Lord. Help us to see with your eyes, to hear with your ears, Lord, and to speak with your lips. Make our feet swift to go and to spread the good news, Lord. Give us courage, Lord. As Joshua admonished the children of Israel in Deuteronomy, he said, be very courageous to keep all that it said within the law. Be very courageous to keep God's word. It takes courage to stand in the face of adversity, to turn and walk against the rushing river of the world and say, I won't go that way anymore. I choose a different life, a new life. I choose God. And though my mother and father turn from me, I will never turn from you, God. Give us that kind of courage this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So three weeks ago, so three Fridays ago, um, I was in, in my car. Uh, the title to my sermon. Um, I, I was in my truck, rather, I was going to work. And just a little, I won't share a lot because I share what God releases me to share about you or myself or whatever. But my family has been going through a tough spell. And, um, 
It's just been rough. We've had a lot going on, a lot of things. Today is the seventh month anniversary of my brother-in-law's death. My brother-in-law was 57 years old. Willis Cameron Barnes, Buddy Barnes. He was my wife's only brother. I loved him dearly. He had a profound effect on my life. And um, I knew that, but I guess I just didn't realize the value until he had, he had died. And he died of esophageal cancer. He was a fireman for many years. And he died at 57. I'll be 57 next month. Well, March. Buddy was the kind of guy, if he gave you his word, it didn't matter if it cost him something. He's going to keep his word. He was that kind of a Christian. The men he worked with, he had, and it, it just really profoundly affected me, his death, and I'm still dealing with that. My family deals with that, and we've had a lot of other things going on, and health issues and different things I won't get into. I've had some health issues and things. And even this morning, the enemy was attacking me. And, and uh, I'm like, we're not going to lay down. It doesn't matter how we feel. It's not about how we feel. It's about what your word says. Yes. He said to declare the truth, be instant in season and out of season. Yes. You know? And uh, what was funny, and if you see me with my glasses a lot up here today, I... <clears throat> I had have, was having, I, I get like these blind spells sometimes. And, and uh, I was like, oh, great. I've got to read this morning. And I've got all this big blind spells and I'm dizzy and my head's pounding. And um, I'm like, well, I'm going anyway. God, if I can't read it, you'll let me remember it so I can quote it. And the Lord is faithful. He's faithful. I'm standing here because God's faithful. But we just have been going through a lot, you know, and I, we, we, it wasn't that we were depressed, but when you were little, and I know for me, like the hunt, you know, and I had these old, big old, uh, anybody ever remember the big old green rubber boots with the yellow at the bottom and the lace at the top boys all wore? You guys remember those? Freeze your feet to death. I had those when I was a kid and they always ate your socks, right? You put on your socks. Two hours, your socks down in the bottom toe of your boot, right? And they had these big old gripping treads, you know, and you'd be tromping out through the woods. And I'd go across a cut cornfield, and it's muddy. And about halfway across, I'm exhausted, right? Because the mud is sticking to my boots. And it's, by the time I get across, the, my boots weigh more than I did, you know? And I'm stopping and slinging my feet and trying to get the mud off to get to the other side. And I told my wife, I said, that's kind of what I feel like's been happening to our family. We're just like, great day. We just need a refreshing. We need a refreshing. And I think you need a refreshing this morning. You need a touch from the Holy Spirit of God this morning. You know, you, you need the washing of the water of the word this morning. And I was riding down the road, and I, it's been years and years ago, and you can ask uh, Brother Gary Henshaw heading up our men's thing back in the day, and we went to Honorbound Conference, and that one conference in Poughkeepsie, New York, man, the Lord just kicked my butt, you know. That was about 20-odd years ago about being a, a thankful man. And ever since that time, I thank God for everything in the mornings. I thank him for my hot coffee. I say it out loud. Lord, I got hot coffee. I got breakfast. I got lunch. I do. 
I can see, hear, smell, feel, taste, touch, walk, talk, Lord. I do that. And I look down and I'm like, I got a half a tank of gas. Now, that's not a big deal now, but when I was raising three kids, a half a tank of gas was a miracle. <laughs> it was a miracle. And so I became a, a thankful man. So I wasn't being unthankful. I was just tired, man. Just tired. You ever been just tired? Just beat down and tired. And I heard the Lord. Now, as a disclaimer, I didn't hear the audible voice of the Lord. And I won't necessarily tell you some things that I see in here because you'll think I'm a kook. But I could hear the voice of the Lord inside so loud and so strong. He said, a dead lion don't roar. I'm like, well, yeah, I know that, Lord. That's, that's actually one of my favorite verses in Ecclesiastes. A dead lion don't roar, son, but a live dog can still bark and howl. <laughs> I just said, you're right. You're right. A dead lion don't roar, God, but a live dog can still bark and howl. And you're feeling like a live dog, a, a live dog, a dog beat down, son. Bark and howl. There's breath in your lungs. And I begin to sing, and it didn't sound pretty or good at all. But I sang loud in my truck. Just one word, just one touch from you, and I believe you are for me. You love me, you hold nothing back from me. And I just kept singing it over and over and over again, almost angry because I was exhausted. But I knew what I needed to do yes. because I was still alive and there was still breath in my body. And God said, I'm worthy to be praised. And he said to put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Yes. Lift up your voice to God. A dead lion don't roar, son. But a live dog can still bark and howl. Bark, son, howl. You're alive. Praise me for it. Yeah. You know, before long, my aches and pains hadn't gone away, but my mindset had changed. Yes. My mindset had changed. The Holy Spirit of God came in and brought light and pushed out darkness. Yes. You say, well, there's darkness in my mind. Listen, Einstein said there's no such thing as darkness. Darkness is merely the absence of light. light. Where there's darkness is because there's no light. Praise God and light will come. Yes. Maybe you're feeling like a dog beat down but you're still better than a dead lion. You can still bark and howl, God said. You can still bark and howl. That following Sunday, I'm sitting over, standing over there manning my post and as they were singing, that one of the songs talks about that the veil between heaven wears thin and I saw, it's hard to explain. It happens in a nanosecond of time. All this volume of information will come. And God can do whatever he wants. He made my brain. 
he can make it act however he wants. And he, he, he just processed that. And he's always done. I don't know how. He just does. So don't, don't ask me. I don't know. He's God and I'm not. And I could see everybody who's ever worked here, ministered here, sang in the old sanctuaries, the new sanctuary. I saw men and women working here, building, hitting their fingers, cutting themselves, blood dripping on the floor, sweat dripping off their brows. People coming here when no one knew and praying at the altars. We had a big rock and I used to beat on that rock and pray. I left a lot of salt on that rock for my tears. There are rocks under this altar that people have written their names and scriptures and prayer requests. I've put prayer requests under here. Men of God, great men of God have stood here and they have preached the word of God to you. Our pastor has stood here faithfully Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and went and said, God, give me fresh bread. I won't bring stale bread into the house of God. And it always manages to be fresh and relevant. All of that, all the praise and the worship. And God showed me all of that in a moment of time. And I could see them working fervently not just a casual, they were ripping above them, like they were tearing away at the firmament of heaven, almost like coal miners digging, some with their bare hands, some with tools, and they were digging and clawing and scratching. And every prayer and every song and every word of God spoken is blasting away at that, at this place. And I saw it. And I just want you to know that every time you pray in your home, look, God can move wherever he wants. God's moved in my heart at work. He's moved in my heart here. He's moved in my heart riding down the road. He's moved in my heart in the woods hunting. He moved in my heart over here at Noel's Pond one time. But this is a holy place. The heavens have been hammered away at here. The veil is thin here. And I could just see it, this opening up and just a deluge of water. And man has no control over a river. We talk about Pentecost and they whip emotions sometimes, some preachers, and they talk about you want to be under the spout where the glory pours out. That's an old phrase. It's not a spout. A spout, a man can cut off and cut on when he wants. Man doesn't control this. This is between you and God. It's not about me. We, we know that a messenger is nothing but a PVC pipe. That's what God showed me one time. Well, a PVC pipe is used in plumbing. Drain pipe. And drain pipe can haul sewage. <laughs> so God just has a way of keeping me humble. You're the messenger of God. And God says, yep, that's a PVC pipe, son. I give you and you give them. I'm just a transportation device. How can I be so proud about that, right? 
It's not glamorous. Taking in clean water and getting rid of sewage, that's a sewer pipe. But boy, is it needed, right? And so it's not about the man delivering the message. It never has been. It's about the person, the man or the woman who's willing to deliver the message. And God says, I'm calling. Would you take this message that there is water available and you don't have to have money for it? Come and buy bread without price, the Lord said. And in that moment, I could see all that praise going up and at this holy place and this holy ground and the water, it's just like it's just hanging there. It's hanging there. This isn't, uh, I didn't give this to the folks in the back, but I'm going to read it real quick to you. It's 2 Chronicles 5.13. Solomon has built the temple of the Lord, right? He's built the temple of the Lord, and now they've brought the ark of God, which represented the presence of God, right? And here in verse 13, everything is ready. It says, indeed, it came to pass when the trumpets and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking God. Now you say, yes, God can move in your home and you're there by your, but you're by yourself. This says they were all one. So this is showing us that there were more than one here and they were in one voice, in one accord, and they were singing and thanking God. to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking God. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets, the cymbals, instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. It was a perfect house, but the glory of God didn't descend until the praise went up and the thanksgiving went up. Can you see that? God doesn't change. God's still the same. When you praise and worship and these, these kids up here are singing and praising and they practice and they work hard and they have given their lives to bring this praise and worship. We join in and we're in one voice and one song. And the glory of God descends. It's called the kabod. Kabod means weightiness. That means something tangible. If, if something is weighty, if I gave you, John, something and I gave it to you, I say, here this is, and you couldn't see it and you couldn't feel it, you'd be like, kabod means weighty. We can have and feel the tangible presence of God in our lives. You can have that this morning. You can have it, you can feel it. I've had it, I've experienced it in many ways, in powerful ways. I felt the fear of the Lord on my back one time in my own home so strong I couldn't get up off the floor. I began to weep one, one night, I was praying for the lost. And it was as if I was laying there on my face in, in my uh, living room. And it was as if I could see God take his pinky and say, I'm just gonna take a pinky touch 
full of the burden I feel for those who are lost and dying. And it's like he touched it on my back and I just sunk into the carpet. And I began to mourn and wail like I, I just, I don't, it was weird sound. I was just deep and from the pit of my soul. And I felt the fear of God on me so much so I couldn't move. And I don't know how long that was, a few minutes, an hour, I don't know. I just know that the weightiness of God, I felt it in, on me that night in my home. And I've, I felt it at other times in other ways. The kabod, the weightiness of God is real, it's tangible, and you can have it this morning. You can feel it this morning. It doesn't come from man. It comes from God. He gives severally to everyone. You want it, you can have it. If you don't want it, you don't have to have it. And in that moment, the, the, the presence of God descended in that temple. And they, they had their script out. This is what we're going to do. Solomon's going to kill 20-some thousand bulls and all from. And God said, I didn't need all that. Once they started singing, he just descended and just threw a horseshoe in the whole thing. Like, why don't we just do it my way, Solomon? And that's what they did. It's powerful. Go and read it. Go and read it. I'm doing a lot of popping this morning. Is that, I'm not used to this thing. Turn to Ecclesiastes, and that's my, <laughs> my verse. Ecclesiastes 9. Maybe that'll help. I don't know. <laughs> our sound guys are wishing we would shave our beards. I think that's what the problem is. I was trying not to look like Jeremiah Johnson this morning, but against my own better judgment. But um, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 4, listen to me. Hope, biblical hope's not an optimistic outlook. You understand that hope is not an optimistic outlook. It's not wishful thinking. Hope, biblical hope, it's confident expectation based on the certainty that God will keep his promises. That's what the hope is here. That's what the hope is in this book. It's not wishful thinking. It's not wishful optimistic outlooks or thinking like that. It's confident. It's a confident expectation that God will keep his promises. And so when we look in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 4, it says, But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. That's, remember, that's not wishful thinking. For, the, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. I wrote, wrote right there, hope has no limitations. Why does my hope have no limitations? Because it's not based in my ability, but in God's promises that he's going to keep them. So hope has no limitations. That's why when you get into the pit of despair and depression and you begin to lose hope, it's such a dark time. I've been there and I can speak to that. Not now, but maybe 
down the road. And I have somewhat with the struggle that I had for 12 years with that. When you're devoid of hope, it's bad. It's a dark place. And that's why the enemy seeks so much to get our children depressed, our teenagers depressed. Sometimes you just got to cut off the news. Pick up the good news. Maybe you fast the news. Maybe you don't fast five guys. Maybe you fast the news. And the time that you spend in the news, spend it in this book, God's book. And let's see if the depression doesn't lift like a veil. And maybe that dark cloud that descended on you dissipates when the light comes in. Maybe we do that. I'm not telling you to look at, not look at the weather and see if it's going to rain on your head, although it doesn't really matter. You got a weather rock at my house. It's outside the door. You go outside. If the rock is dry, it's going to be sunny. If the rock is wet, it's raining. If it's got snow on it, it's snowing. That's about the best weather forecast I've found so far. So I'm not telling you not to look at the weather, but I'm just saying, man, this stuff, and so-and-so's got weapons, and they got weapons, and blah! And pretty soon, like, oh, what are we going to do? Should we not even have kids? Yes, you should. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your wife. Wife, enjoy your husband. Have your children. Raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if you have to stand alone in the Middle East with every nuke known to man and God's there and says nothing's going to come near your dwelling, then nothing will come near your dwelling. Live your life. Be happy. Enjoy it. God gave it to you. Don't let the enemy steal your hope. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. No more will they have a share in anything done under the sun. Live it now, right now. Go eat your bread with joy. Drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. Your garments always, let your garments always be white. Let your head lack no oil. In other words, live your life. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which he has given you under the sun. All your days are vanity, for that is your portion in life. And in the labor which you perform under the sun, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Jesus said it this way, seek the Lord where he may be found. The night's coming, work now in the light. The night's coming when no man can work. You're alive. You feel like a dog and you're beat down. I get it. I get it. There's washing here today. There's water for the thirsty. There's an outpouring. You need a refreshing from the Holy Spirit today. I don't want you to leave this place without it today. You need it. We need you. There's someone devoid of hope that you're going to cross paths with this coming week. Listen to me. Listen to me. Please listen to me. I'm a man who has been devoid of hope once in my life. 
God brought you here today to renew you and revive you, revive your hope. You're gonna cross paths with someone this week who is devoid of hope and they're gonna to need to see the light in your face, yes. the light in your eyes, the confidence in your walk, the way you stand, the way you speak to them. Of this I know it's true. It is true God is for you and not against you. God is going to touch you today. That's what I know for sure. And you leave here with that light in your hand. And you, you're going to touch somebody is devoid of hope. It's going to cross your path this week. And you, you may not even know the full impact. You may be the one that metaphorically pulls the gun out of their mouth or the pills out of their hand. Do you hear me? We are the light of the world. No one lighting a candle sticks it under a basket. The enemy wants to rob you of your hope this morning to put out your candle so that the darkness can creep in because only in the absence of light does darkness come in. Only in the absence of light. Turn to Isaiah 35. <clears throat> Isaiah 35, verse 1. Was it verse 1? Actually, no, I'm sorry. Uh, let's start at 3, guys. I'm sorry. Isaiah 35, verse 3 says, Strengthen the weak hands. That word literally in Hebrew meant sinking hands. Sinking hands. I, when I was in the midst of depression, I would come in the sanctuary, <clears throat> in the old sanctuaries, and I was still coming to church and things, and, and I would force myself. I'd come. And sometimes God say, Raise your hands during worship. And it felt like I was lead and I had put my hands in liquid lead and it had dried on my hands. And I'm like, I can't, God. I can't, I can't lift my, lift your hands, son. And it took all that was within me to lift my hands to God. And it was like in that moment, I could feel that lead just melting in the presence of God in the light of the Holy Spirit. Because he says, I'm gonna send you, baptize you with fire. Fire cleanses and purifies and strengthens and tempers us. And I could just feel that melt off of me and my hands became light. But boy, it sure was hard getting them there. So what I'm telling you to do, I know is not easy, but I've done it. I've done it. I'm not asking you to do something I haven't done myself. I would never do that. And this says, strengthen the weak hands. And literally it means sinking hands. Are your hands sunk down this morning? Are they heavy? Make firm the feeble knees. Are you tottering this morning? Do you not feel steady in your walk and where you're at with God? That can change right here, right now. Your hands can be strengthened 
and your knees made well and firm. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong and do not fear. I'm telling you this morning, I'm saying it to you. If you're fearful hearted this morning, be strong and do not be afraid. The enemy is a defeated foe. Do not be afraid. When we're afraid and we bow our heads and our knees tremble and our hands are weak, darkness creeps in. You're a hero. You just don't know it yet. You're a hero to your family. Men, you're a hero to your wife. Women, you're a, wife, you're a hero to your husband. You're his greatest asset. You set the tone for his day. You may not know, but every time before I come up here, I kneel down in the back and my wife prays over me. She blesses me and prays for me. I know she's my greatest fan and my greatest supporter. And I don't care what you've done in the past, today's a new day. If you've picked at each other and cut each other down, stop it. Don't do it anymore. Speak words that uplift your spouse. Speak good things over her. I don't care if it's in the morning and her hair is sticking up like a rooster. Tell her she's beautiful. My wife told me for a long time I'd fuss about my hair is disappearing. Oh, no, honey. I'm like, okay. I appreciate it. Encourage one another. Don't speak darkness over your mate. You're playing into the enemy's hands. Tell him he's the handsomest thing you've ever seen. He's going to conquer the world today and make him a bologna sandwich. I'm telling it works. My wife has had me feeling like Superman for almost 40 years. And you know I'm not Superman. But when she says it, it carries weight, and I believe it. And I need it. I'm going to tell you what. This thing gets harder. The the longer you go, the harder it gets. Goodness. Advil starts being your best friend. Be strong. Don't fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Now that, with vengeance... That's not a God that's just like, hey, don't mess with, that's my child. Don't, don't mess with. That's like, oh, how dare you bring that upon my, how dare you speak that against my anointed? That's, that's what God does. Not like, well, you know, he, he's in the fold. We've made Jesus this man be pan be weak thing. He is a powerful, consuming fire. He runs to your rescue with vengeance. That's what the book said. I didn't say that. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Are your eyes blinded this morning? Can you not see what's going on around you? Can you not see the truth? 
and the ears of the death. Can you not hear the good news I'm telling you this morning? Can you not hear the hope? He will open the deaf ears. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb will sing. I just wrote down, are you blind to the truth and your ears deaf to the cries of the widow and the orphan? Is your heart lame to the purpose of God? Is your tongue mute, mute without praise on your lips? Has your soul become a desert wilderness full of bitterness, lonely and devoid of hope and joy? Does that happen to you? I was a Christian, that happened to me. The light is here today. He came. He sent his comforter. He's here today, right now, right here with me. And he can be right there with you. Just welcome him. Ask him. That's it. You say, I don't have anything to offer. Good. Good. How do you receive something if your hands are full, John? You can't. Empty your hands. Devoid yourself this morning. Lay down your pride. Lay down your presuppositions about how God is and what he would do and how he would speak to you. Oh, he can never speak to me. Yes, he can speak to you that way. Yes, he can do miracles through you. The book said so. I didn't say so. I'm the pipe. I'm relaying the message. Devoid yourself. Divest yourself. Empty your hands. It says, come and buy food without money. For the water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Man, do you feel like you're in the wilderness? Do you feel like your heart and your mind and your soul is just dry? It says that water's gonna burst forth today. We've been scratching away at this veil and we've been praying. And man, it's, it's something. And God says, I wanna, I wanna pour out a deluge on you that won't stop. Be riding down the road in your car and have a Holy Ghost fit and got to pull over. That's my prayer for you. The parched ground shall become a pool. Now that's talking about provision. You know, it rains, and if it rains real hard, it runs off. Farmers don't like that hard rain. They like that slow all night drizzle. And this is not just a raining pouring out, but it's saying pools, provision, not just for this Sunday, but for every day, a pool of provision for the Lord poured out on you this morning. And the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of jackals, where each day there shall be grass and reeds and rushes. There used to be wild animals in your life. Some of y'all were wild animals. God set you free. You know why God wants to set a wild animal free? So he can set another wild animal free. You can go minister to that wild animal. Man, I've been where you're at. I know what you know. I know the things you say in your sleep. And you ain't in your bed at night. I've been you. Let me tell you about the truth. 
Let me tell you about the washing of the water of the word, a water that not only washes away the dirt and the filth, but water that can wash away iron, the chains that you're bound in, living water that has the ability to eat away chains this morning. That's what I'm talking about. The habitation of jackals. There used to be wildness and it was uncontrolled. And every day was haphazard. I'm a believer. I trust God. And I'm a righteous man. And that simply means that I'm in right standing with God. And it says that my steps are ordered by him. My days are not haphazard. I refuse to live that way. Where I'm just, you know, at the whim of whatever the enemy wants to do to me. No, no. God says, I come with vengeance to save you. Not just once, every day. God saves me somehow, some way, every day. Sometimes from others and things and sometimes from myself. Wait a minute, Joel, you got some wrong-headed thinking going on there. Stinking thinking we say sometimes, right? You got to get your mind right, brother. That's not, that's wrong. Isaiah, what is it, 12, 12, 3. You can turn there. This verse actually was quoted at the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles had become one of the most important feasts to the Jews by the time Jesus was around. I don't know if you knew that or not. And so the priest would go to the pool of Siloam and draw water. And they would pour that water out on the ground and they would quote Isaiah Chapter 12, verse 3, that says, Therefore, with joy, you will draw, will draw water from the wells of salvation. When Jesus spit and made mud, did you ever read that in the Bible? If you didn't, he did. He spit on the ground, was a blind man. He's going to heal the man. He spit and he made mud. And he put it on his eyes. And he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now you say, why spit and make mud? Because there was a Jewish tradition at the time that there was healing power in the spittle, the saliva of the Messiah. Whoo! You want to know if I'm the one? How about I spit and make mud and put it on his old boy's eyes and he can see again. He put that mud on his eyes and didn't tell him to go wash in the creek. He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, the pool that the priests go and get the water from. They pour out and say, therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in John, we're gonna get to that, John chapter seven, when Jesus stands and says, I'm the living water. He's standing on the Feast of Tabernacles, proclaiming that with a loud voice while the priests are going and getting water from the Pool of Siloam and pouring it out. Man, there's so much symbolism and good stuff in John. 
And that old boy went down there blind, washed off the spit of the Messiah and could see. That's the power that is available to you today. It's here in this place. It's always been in this place. It's why we keep coming back all these years. The enemy beats us down and cuts us up and we bleed and we think about quitting and we can't. Where else are you gonna go? The words of life. I'm not just talking about a mission, I'm talking about quitting on God. Did you read the, the verses before that? Let's read the verses before that. I didn't read them to you. Why is it therefore, therefore? Chapter 12. Let me see if I can find it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get my vision straight here, y'all. A little grace. Chapter 12, verse 1 says, And in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you, though you were angry with me. Your anger is turned away, and you comfort me. I used to be God's enemy, and while I was still his enemy, he saved me. You comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for Yah, the Lord, that's the short of Yahweh, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. And that's where you get to verse three. Therefore, or because of the fact that God is my salvation and I won't have to be afraid, because of that, I'm going to with joy draw water from the well of salvation. And they, the priest would quote Isaiah chapter 12, verse three on the Feast of Tabernacles. Every day they would go and they would get water from the pool of Siloam and they would pour it out symbolically and say that. Time is it? Okay. Oh, let's see. What am I doing here? Sometimes I preach past my stuff. Yeah, there you go. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Ho, it says, exclamation point. It's a, it's a term trying to get your attention that I'm about to say something important. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Isaiah 44, 44, verse 3. Isaiah is one of the most messianic of all the Old Testament prophets. And he's talking about the coming of the Messiah here. Isaiah 44, verse 3 says, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty. Are you thirsty this morning? That's the prerequisite. Are you thirsty? Because it says that the satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. But to the hungry soul, every bitter herb is sweet. Are you hungry this morning? Are you thirsty for the spirit of God to pour out cleansing floods on you this morning? I will pour out water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. Is the ground dry? 
in your heart, in your spirit. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and, on my, and my blessing on your offspring. They will spring up among the grass like willows by the water courses. No one will say, I am the Lord's. One will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Another will write with his hand, the Lord's, and name himself by the name of Israel. Meaning we will all want to be attached to God in some way. I want his name on me. See, the names of God are important because they describe his character, his attributes, how he acts. Right? Jehovah Jireh, Jireh is provider for me. Right? So you could do a whole study on just the names of God and how he acts on your behalf. I will pour water on the, the thirsty ground of your heart, your soul, your spirit. Now we're going to turn over to John. We're going to go way over in the New Testament. John chapter 7. Seven thirty-seven. On the last day, that great day of the feast, that this is the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. That happened on the day of Pentecost. It's available for you as a believer. Rivers of living water, not a trickle. Rivers of living water, more than enough provision, not just for that moment, but it talks about pools and springs of living water rising up. At this moment, the priests are get, they're bringing water from the pool of Siloam and pouring it out, quoting Isaiah 12, verse 3. And Jesus is saying, I'm that water. What you see them doing has all been preparation for me. I am here now. I am that. And you can come and draw water with joy from the well of salvation. And that's what God would say to you this morning. You can come with joy in your heart and your mind and have peace this morning. How many of you would like to have peace this morning? You want peace? You have racing thoughts, right? You need peace this morning. God can give you that this morning. Ask him for it. You don't have to have anything in your hands this morning. Come without money and receive. Come and receive without money. Peace in your mind. Water to cleanse your heart and your mind. One last scripture. One last scripture. We're going to turn back to Job. Old Job. Oh, please don't go there. Oh, there's hope in Job. That's right. Bless God, there's hope in Job. Right. Woo-wee. Talk about an old boy who was tired. He had lead on his hand and mud on his boots. 
He was tired. He was beat down. Oh, man. I saw myself one time. I told the enemy, you must be a fool. Obviously, you can't read my thoughts. You'd see I'm not going to quit. It doesn't matter what you do. And I saw myself laying on my belly, pulling myself, and I had dirt and grass under my fingernails. I had gripped the steering wheel, and I was praying with gritted teeth. You ever prayed with gritted teeth before? <laughs> I have. I've praised God with gritted teeth. Got them hands up there. Oh, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Bless God, I was praising God, and pretty soon my teeth and my jaw become unclenched because He sets us liberty, those who are bruised. I was bruised and beaten, and many of you are beat up and bruised. You're like, if I get one more thread of bad news, Sister Nancy lost her brother. Man, getting beat up. We'll pray for that family. know what that's like. We're here. I've got the living water flowing out of me. That person you come across this coming week, you've got living water coming out of you. you when you leave here, you're going to leave here with it. I'm telling you, God's going to give it to you today. And in Job 14, verse 7, it says, For there is hope for a tree that is cut down. Have you, you feel like you've been chopped down this morning. That it will sprout again and that its tender shoots will not cease. What God started in you is not going to stop. He planted you, you grew up, the enemy chopped you down. Life chopped you down. It was visceral and hard and painful. We're not denying that. But it says that that it, it, its tender shoots will not cease, though its roots may grow old in the earth and its stump may die in the ground. Yet at the scent, the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. The very scent of water, just the smell of God. You are the fragrance of Christ diffused in the earth. There's somebody lost that needs your smell if you got the smell of Jesus. Just your presence walking in by them. He's, God, God told the disciples, when you go in that house, let your peace rest on this house. It's something tangible on you. Yeah. It's present. It's real. It's the weightiness of God on you. This is saying it doesn't matter what you were in the past and you grew up and you got chopped down. You're looking like an old gnarled, dead stump. Just the scent of God's holy water will make you sprout again. And I'm not talking about just the scent this morning. I'm talking about a deluge of the water of God this morning. So I don't know what God's doing in your heart. I don't know where you're at this morning. I just know that God can take all that mess, the, 
if it's sin, he can wash that filth away. If it's depression, he can wash that away. Maybe it's the chains of addiction, he can wash that away. It doesn't matter what it is. If you need a touch from God, he can wash it away this morning. Won't you stand with me? And they're gonna sing. And I feel like if you wanna come up here at the altar and just receive a touch, a refreshing from God, then do it. I'm not here to generate some kind of emotion in you. God can wash you at home or whatever. I just know that there is a thinning of the veil in this place. Almighty God showed it to me. I saw it. I felt it. And I know it's real. This is a holy place. Sometimes God requires things of us. Maybe he's requiring you to step out and come and kneel at the altar or stand at the altar. That's between you and God. I got nothing to do with that. And if you want prayer, I'll pray for you. But I just got old gnarled up hands. Just a PVC pipe. So if you feel like you want a touch from the Lord when they're singing, come up and receive a touch. You don't have to have anything in your hands to receive it this morning. I'm going to pray for you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I bless your people, Lord. I pray, Father, Lord, with all of my heart, God, with every fiber of my being, I have delivered what you told me, God. I have, to the best of my ability, tried to relay what you told me, Lord. It's on them. It's in their hearts now, Lord. It's in their minds. I pray, God, they will see you wherever they go. They would see visions of running just rivers of water. Lord, they would hear the sound of it. Literally, they would hear water. And they would be, remember that they carry that vessel full of living water inside them this morning, Lord. They carry a vessel, a pure, perfect, beautiful vessel of water. And then when they go into the workplace and the marketplace and in their homes, Lord, it can rush forth and cleanse away the filth of sin, the burdens of shame, Lord, the, 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 the binding irons of addiction. Lord, you can break all of those things, Lord. Just one touch from you, Lord. Lord, as I sang in my truck, just one touch, just one word from you, Lord. You're for me, not against me. You hold nothing back from me, God. Lord, touch your people this morning. Pour out your spirit, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. I just realized what the Lord was showing me this morning. Every year, fall comes. Leaves die, fall off the trees. But you know that tree's still alive? And, and as Joel is ministry, I'm thinking, you know, I've had encounters with God like that, a touch from God, but it fades. How many has ever had a touch from God? And it's like, it was like on the mountaintop experience, but it always fades, but there's still life there. And the thing is, the sun's going to come out hot again, and it's going to shine in its glory again. And that tree's going to sprout leaves and new life is going to come out. And I believe what God is saying is like, look, 
I'm going to touch you, and it's going to fade, but I'm going to touch you again. Because as you was ministering that, Joe, I thought about this, this movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, oh, he, he's a cow, plays a cowboy movie. Anyway, he finds, it, he, he finds out that his mother was a black lady. All right? And he's just white as cotton, but he finds out his mother's, it's called the flam, family story, isn't it? What's it called? Robert DeBall, is that his name? And he finds out he did, that he's, a, he's half black and he's got a, a black brother. And he, he goes to see his black brother and he meets him and he finds out about how his father laid with his servant girl and he was born from that and all that. And it's, it's an interesting story. But this nephew of his, a black nephew, blew his knee out. He was going to be a pro football player and he's angry at the world and he's, he's mad. And he starts telling him this story, Joel. He said, there was a man in my town. He said, this guy was ugly as sin. And he married one of the prettiest girls you ever saw and said every other week, it said once a month, he would save all of his money and he would take her to, to town and he'd buy her a little something. He said it may not be much, but he'd buy her a little something. And then that went on for years, you know, and said he'd take all, spend all of his money buying her a little something every month faithfully. And then she got sick and died and said he went into a dark depression and then he adopted a little boy and said he started it all over again. Save his money once a month, he'd go by. And he said, said this guy repaired TVs and radios and stuff. And I asked him one day, he said, why do you do that? You take all your money and go spend it on your wife and now you're spending it on that boy. And said, the man hardly ever even talked to anybody. And said, he stopped working and he looked up at me. He said, well, happiness is just having something to look forward to. And when he said that on that movie, I thought that is a spiritual principle that is profound. Because the Bible tells us to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the prize that was set before him, he endured the cross and to sit upon the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus had something to look forward to. And he endured the cross because he's looking at the prize. You know what the prize was? You are. You were the prize that was set before him. He had something to look forward to. And church happiness is just having something to look forward to. Life will come again. Springtime is coming. All right? And God has got something for you, a touch for you, and it's something to look forward to. Life is coming. Amen. And even though it's not there now, you're still alive. Amen. What is it? A barking dog. That dog has still got breath, brother. That was a good word, Joel. I don't know if it made sense to anybody else, but brother, it made sense to me. It just went off in my spirit like an atom bomb. So, amen. Well, you got a second sermon. I'm going to shut up. Are you happy? Are you happy? Because it's funny you're preaching on it. I was just thinking this week, I went to your oldest brother, Skeeter, one time. Y'all don't take care if I take just a minute. And Jeannie and I, the kids were real small, and I, I looked at her one day. I said, I'm just not happy. I was just an unhappy person. You remember that, honey? I said, I'm just not happy, Jeannie. Nothing makes me happy. It doesn't matter what I do. Nothing makes me happy. And I went and talked to 
Skeeter about it, and I just did, couldn't get an answer anywhere. And Skeeter was playing the radio one day, and this song came on and said, Don't worry, be happy. And I heard that song. Let me tell you, God can speak to you if you listen all kinds of ways. And I realized in that moment, happiness has nothing to do with my circumstances. It has to do with a choice. And I chose that day to be happy. Church, we got a reason to be happy because we've got something to look forward to. And happiness is just having something to look forward to. We have a God that loves you and is coming for your rescue. Amen. That was a good word, Joel. Thank you so much. Yes. Praise God. Well, praise the Lord. Guys, sing us a song and then we're going to close in prayer.
got something to look forward to? If you don't find something, go find somebody who's lost their hope and you, you help them. That's something to look forward to. I just pray life comes into you. I can't wait for springtime to get here. Amen. You know, and I'm standing back there, I'm thinking about what's that first flower that comes out? That we planted them out here one time, the bowls ate them all up. Daffodils. That's a pretty flower, but it doesn't last long. So I don't pray a daffodil anointing on you. I pray a clematis anointing on you. We've got this clematis vine that comes up at the end of our porch and it blooms all summer long. Hallelujah. Amen. So I just pray a clematis blessing on you that you just bloom and shine. Just keep blooming. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for the word, God. We thank you that it's yes and amen. Lord, I pray that, uh, that we've heard the word of the Lord. Joel just took it straight from the scriptures this morning, Lord. Those are the things that you said. Those are the promises that you made, Lord. And Father, we just receive those now in Jesus' name. God, we thank you that you're always there for us, Lord. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us, Lord, and we praise you for that today. God, if there is somebody that is struggling today, God, give them hope, Lord. Give them something to look forward to, Lord. Show them, God, that your light does shine, Lord, and, God, that they will live again, Lord. It may fade, but, God, you're always there. That life is always there, Lord. So bring it out, Father, we pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let me, before I bless you, just re, let me remind you, at 3 o'clock today, I'm going to have a new members class. So just a reminder for those who want to attend that, 3 o'clock today right here. Now, I speak a blessing over the body of Christ, over everybody that is here today. I bless your home. May it be a refuge, an escape from the world, a place where the Holy Spirit is welcome. I bless your marriage that you will get along with your wife and wives, you'll get along with your husbands that you encourage each other. Like Joel said, you speak blessing over each other. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. And you strengthen the family, Lord, husbands and wives, parents and their children, siblings one with each other. Lord, I speak a special blessing over those who are walking their journey alone. Lord, they're looking for their mate, God. Bring them together, Lord. Let their paths cross when the time is right. And then, Lord, if they're content just serving you, Lord, you be their comfort now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Jesus, I am.